chapter 3, I read from verse 16 to verse 18. Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. Daniel 3, 16 to 18. If you are there, shout hallelujah. Daniel 3, 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, you moved it. <laughs> we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Now go to the next verse. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods. Nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Amen. Amen. This morning, for a few minutes, we want to continue our discussion on the place of total surrender to God. So I believe today is the third part of that series. The place of total surrender to God. When we started looking at this topic, we, we looked at the case of Esther. And I believe the last time we looked at this story, we looked at the case of Paul. They tried to discourage him from getting to Jerusalem. But he said, I know what God, has, what God has told me. I will preach in Jerusalem. And when he preached in Jerusalem, God said, you will preach in Rome. And from Jerusalem to Rome was not an easy journey. But God prepared, I mean, an express, uh, a free fare, fully paid for him to get to Rome. And when he got to Rome, he was accommodated. He preached the gospel in Rome. He wrote letters to churches all over the place. Because he was totally surrendered to God and did not allow himself to be dissuaded. He didn't allow himself to, to be discouraged on the journey. Oh, brethren, nobody says it to be easy. I believe we all know that. That's why the Bible says, when you pass through the waters. It doesn't say if. It says what? When. There will come a time that you will have to pass through the water or the fire to get to the destination God has proposed for you. But I want to give you an assurance, you will get there. Amen. I said you will get there. Amen. That fire cannot consume you. That water cannot overcome you. There are just places of experience on your path to destiny. And you will get there in Jesus' name. Amen. In today's passage, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the original instruction... From Nebuchadnezzar was very simple. Bow down and worship the golden image. However, there was a direct implication from, I mean, that was not highlighted until the Hebrew brethren defied that order. In verse 5 of Daniel chapter 3, we see where the king said, bow down, worship my golden image. For whatever reason, I have erected a golden image, come and worship it. That's all. When you hear the tambourine, the, the gang gun, the, 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 the guitar and everything. Just bow down and that is it. You can go home safely. In fact, you can go home and repent. Like many of us will say. But there was a direct implication that was not highlighted until they defied that order. In Daniel chapter 3 verse 12, when the enemies, when those that observed that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow. When they were reporting to the king, look at what they said. They said, there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the prince of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have not regarded thee. That's number one. 
Number two, they do not serve your gods. They do not serve what? Your gods. That's number two. Number three, nor worship the golden. So as far as these people are concerned, the service of their gods is related to the worship of the golden image. But they are two separate things. However, the king's instruction was very simple. Simply do what? Bow down to the golden image. But it had implications. It had implications. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were leaders in the land appointed by the king. Yet they realized that their obedience and service was first and foremost unto the king of kings. Who was the one that facilitated their appointment? And brethren, the Bible says, the heart of kings and princes, I mean, are in whose hands? It is God that will send the person that will appoint you. It is God that sends him to you. When you disobey God in order to please that person, what happens? God himself will engineer how you will be, you, they will get rid of you from that place. In fact, you might come in and the guy will just say, oh, you know what? Uh, we don't need your service again. And after you are going, say, what have I just done? Why, why did I do that? That's uncalled for. This person, if anybody is to be fired, it shouldn't be this person. It should be that other person. But it wasn't a mistake. It was God trying to prove that he knows what is, that is in charge that is in control of the situation. This is similar to the case of Mordecai, brethren. Mordecai was expected to bow down to Haman. In Esther chapter 3, verse 2. Esther chapter 3, verse 2. But Mordecai realized that bowing down to Haman, worshipping Haman, was more than just worshipping Haman. It implied that he was worshipping the gods of Haman. And that was a no-no to him. It was a no-no to him. All the king's servants that were in the king's gate, they bowed and referenced Haman. For the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reference. When you go down to verses 5 and 6, you see where Mordecai, I mean, Haman made up his mind. He made up his mind that I can't lay hands on just one man. That is below my standard. So what did Haman do? He said he was going to destroy all Jews in the land. And he put, I mean, everything in place the same way. You see, in the two situations, defiance of the, uh, of the idol was equivalent to what? A death sentence. Unless God intervened. God will intervene for you. I said God will intervene on your behalf. When you stand for God, God will do what? He will stand for you. Remember the case of Stephen? When they were stoning him, the Bible says the heavens were open and Stephen saw something that was not seen before nor after his martyrdom. He saw God on his throne. He saw Jesus standing beside him. Jesus was paying attention to a general that was coming home. And it, it had to be so because it was important. The death of Stephen was what made the gospel to spread all over the place. Before then, the disciples were just happy to see that in Jerusalem. Just saying, we know Jesus. We will preach him. There's nothing you can do to us. 
And then Stephen was killed, and they realized this is not, this is not, it's not laughing matter. And they scattered in accordance to the word that Jesus gave to them. So in both the situation of Haman, I mean, of Mordecai, and the situation of these three Hebrew brethren, the penalty was dead, but God intervened. These Hebrew children were ready to die for God's cause, rather than worship a golden image. Now, what are some ways that God could have intervened on their behalf? You know, after they did not bow, and they were reported to the king, there are some many different ways. I just thought of a few of them. I'm sure if, if I were to ask us now, we can think of many more. Number one, God could have blindfolded those who saw them so that nobody would see that they were not obeying the law. Is that not so? God could have blindfolded them so that they would be worshipping God. Some of us, that's what we would desire. Let me just worship God in my own. Let nobody see me. Let nobody know. God could have done that. But if that's what God did, we won't be talking about it today, shall we? No. He could have done that, but he chose not to. God could have made those who saw them not bowing to that image to overlook their errors and say, okay, is it not just those Hebrews? They are terrible people. That's what they do. Leave them alone. He could have made their errors to be overlooked and not report their deliberate disobedience to the gods of the king. Number three, he could have made the king to favor them and not discipline them because of their position in the kingdom. They were rulers. They were leaders in the land. God could have, I mean, he could have made it so that when they were reported, I said, oh, those ones, they are my best lieutenants. I'm not going to discipline them. Uh, I heard you didn't bow down to, don't do it again or just go. You know, it's because of you. Okay, go. He could have done that because the heart of the king was in the hand of God, but God did not do that. God could have made the king to give them a lesser punishment because of who they were. But he chose not to do that. Do you know that it, it's possible that they could have ignited the fire in the furnace and the fire would refuse to burn? Do you know it's possible? Uh, God who sent uh, the east wind that was roaring over the land for 24 hours. Then at the end of 24 hours, Locusts now came in to eat it. He could have sent a mighty wind to the entrance of that furnace that would ensure that whatever they put there, they fire, or he could have sent water. He could have created a hole in the furnace. So many things that God could have done. But God refused. Instead, the Bible says, the king was furious and the furnace was heated more than normal in Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 to 20. God watched and he waited. And he was waiting because God was asking a question. This, my children have made a pronouncement. They have said, God will protect us. They have said, even if you will not protect us, we are not going to bow to your golden image. And God was saying, let me see what they will do. Let me see if they will bow or not. God was watching. But brethren, the fact that God was watching does not mean that God was ineffective. It doesn't mean that God did not know what he was going to do. When the brothers of Jacob, I mean, uh, not Jacob, Joseph, threw him into a well, was God sleeping? Was he sleeping? Did he not see it? All that God did 
There's a study I did on that. The word Dathan, uh, uh, that place, was it Dothan? That place where they were, it means two wells. So it's a place there where there were wells that was water. But God made sure that the well in which they threw Joseph, that it, was, it was dry. There was no water in it. Many a times God is moving on our behalf because we are looking for big things. We don't see the little, little things that he's been doing that has kept us up till now. God will continue to keep you. I said, God, God will continue to keep you in Jesus' name. So God was just watching. Will they renounce him at the last minute? He waited for them where? In the furnace. And rewarded their faithfulness with his presence. That's why the, he, he could say in Isaiah that when you walk through the waters, the waters will not overcome you. Why? Because he's in the waters. That's why he can say, when you pass through the fires, the fires will not consume you. Why? Because he's in the fire. Remember our God is what? He's a consuming fire. He is the fire that consumes all fire. There's no way any fire can destroy, can, can, can destroy him. Because our God is the lion of the tribe of Judah. There is no way any lion could have eaten Daniel. Or in, for that matter, any of you who are his children. And I speak to somebody's life here today. The lions cannot eat you. I said the lions cannot eat you. Cannot eat you. The first thing that God did was he destroyed every instrument of oppression in the lives of these brethren. I pray for someone here this morning. Every instrument of oppression in your life, God himself will destroy in Jesus' name. I say God himself will destroy in Jesus' name. Because the king's, the Bible says, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 21 to 22. The flame was so hot that those that threw them in were the first that the flame destroyed. Anyone that is waiting for your destruction, they will be the first that God will destroy. They are the ones that say they want to destroy you. And they refuse to learn their lessons. They refuse to, if only they could read the Bible, they will see that those who have turned against the children of God in the past have ended up being consumed. Those men that threw them in were the first to be consumed. Then the next thing that God did, because the Bible says in verse 23, he said they, were, they fell down bound in the midst of the burning fairy furnace. So what did God do? Whatever they used to bind them was consumed. So first, their enemies were consumed. Secondly, everything that, was, that bound them was consumed. And so they could no longer lie down. Remember what the book of uh, uh, Micah says? He says, rejoice not over me, O my enemies. When I fall, I shall do what? I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the glory of God, the light of God, it will be a shining light around me. These brethren were thrown down, bound into the furnace. But they rose. They stood up. They began to walk in the furnace. And then they were not walking alone. It was then that they realized that, ah, we knew all along, but we forgot. These men are extraordinary men. These people are extraordinary people. Are there any extraordinary um, people in the church today? 
your God will fight for you. I said your God will fight for you. The place of total surrender to God. These men made up their mind. Paul made a statement. He said, for me to live is what? Is Christ. And to die is gain. If I die, I'm going to heaven. So long as I'm alive, the devil is in trouble. And so the devil just said, this one is a lost cause for the devil. And they left him alone. And he continued to do exploits. You will do exploits for God. Amen. The Bible says, the people that do know their God shall what? Shall be strong. You will be strong. But adventure, you are in church today and you are weak. Receive strength in Jesus' name. Amen. I say receive strength in Jesus' name. These men, they were no longer servants of the king. They became servants of the living God. When you go to verse 26 of that passage, the Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the burning fairy furnace and spoke and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. And they came forth of the midst of the fire. They were no longer servants of the king. They were now servants of the Most High God. Somebody here is receiving a promotion. Amen. You are receiving a, a promotion. Amen. No more servants of the king. They have gone beyond terrestrial things. They have started operating in the extraterrestrial. Relating with the living God himself. And the heathen king, he saw it. When he erected his, his idol... He wanted to glorify his God. By the time the day was over, his gods were what? Humbled. They were humbled. Every idol of your enemies will be humbled today in Jesus' name. Because God will fight for you. Not only did they now become servants of the living God, from the mouth of the heathen king, they became spectacles and testimonies of God's faithfulness. Why? Because they were totally surrendered unto God. When you go to verse 27 of that passage, the Bible says, the princes, the governors, the captains, the king's counselors, they were gathered together and they saw this man upon whose bodies the fire had no power. What a testimony. Nor was an hair of their head sign, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed upon them. They became spectacles. They became testimonies. And then, God's name was glorified above all the gods of Babylon, including the golden image. So first of all, they became servants of the living God. Then they became spectacles. They became testimonies. Then God's name was glorified and the king himself rose up and he made a proclamation in verse 28. He said, Blessed be the God of these three men who sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him. You see? Even the king realized that these are his servants that trusted in him. In other words, these are people that have totally surrendered. If you are totally surrendered to the living God, he will show up for you. Amen. I say he will show up for you. God will show for you in Jesus' name. Now look at the proclamation he made. 
The first proclamation at the beginning of the book was that, come and worship my golden image. Look at verse 29. Say, therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses made a dung hill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sword. I want to ask you a question. Those people that reported them to the king, if they had uh, what's the word? If they had an option now, would they still have reported them? Would they? They lost everything. In fact, maybe among them were those that they said you should throw them into the fire. And they died in the process. Because everything began to work for the promotion of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And finally, the Bible says, the king promoted Shadrach. So, Whatever was their level before their, 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 their encounter with the king started, they were taken beyond that level. I pray for someone here today, God will promote you. Amen. I said, God will lift you up. I said, there's a special place prepared for you. But all you need to do, my brother and sister, is be totally yielded unto God. Be totally yielded. You see, the devil will make you to believe that, ah, don't do it all. If you do it all, you lose everything. If you do it, it's the end of the world. He has done worse than that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, even if he will not, we will not yield. God will find you faithful. Amen. I say, God will find you faithful. Amen. And he will have for you in Jesus' name.